Well, this morning we're finishing our series called Hidden Christmas. And if you have your Bible with you, turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and Philippians chapter 2. Isaiah 9 and Philippians chapter 2. And the whole idea behind Hidden Christmas is that as we become a culture that's increasingly secularized, a lot of people continue to celebrate Christmas and they have lost the connection to what it is that we're celebrating at Christmas. But even in the way that we as a secular culture celebrate Christmas, you can still see the hidden clues to the origin of Christmas inside of them. And one of those clues that we see is gift giving. Every one of us, whether you're a Christian, atheist, any other religion, we all give gifts at Christmas. And a lot of times the gifts that we give, sometimes it's an amazing heartfelt thing like you would see on like a Jared commercial and that's just the most incredible gift you've ever received. It changes your life. And sometimes you receive a gift and you don't quite see the same value and intent behind that gift that maybe the giver of the gift had. Uh, this week, one of our dear friends uh, gave Eason a pterodactyl, and it's the coolest thing in the world. He's all into dinosaurs now. He's a four-year-old boy, so it's, it's trucks or dinosaurs. If it's a dino truck, it's the best thing ever. And he's all excited about this, so she gives him this pterodactyl, and it's all exciting, but what she didn't realize that it also came with some genuine fossilized dinosaur poop. And I am not making that up. It came with that, and so she was a little mortified when she saw it. Like, I'm not trying to give this gift to your kids. And we as adults were looking at this, and we're thinking, why on earth would someone want dinosaur dung? That's not high up on the gift. I don't think that will ever make Oprah's list of things to give away. And so we're kind of joking about this, but what happens is, you know, Easton's like, oh my gosh, Dad, can we open it? And I'm like, no, we are not unleashing a 75 million-year-old dinosaur dung virus on the earth. Like, keep it in its little package. He's all excited about it. He thinks it's the greatest gift ever. We're spending all this money and getting in these great things, and he's excited about the dino dung that came with his pterodactyl. But isn't that the way that gifts can be a lot of times? We didn't see the value in the dino dung, but to the four-year-old, he sees something in it that we as adults missed about it. And that really goes back to the entire idea of Christmas. Because at Christmas, what we celebrate is a gift that was given to us. A gift that was given to all humanity. But so many times, we overlook it and we don't see the value and the significance of that gift. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, it says this For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, the people who first heard this scripture were a people who were living as exiles. They had been conquered by the Assyrians, were continuing to experience pressure by them. They were abused. They were living under fear. They were living under systematic oppression that was all around them and everything that they did. And they were a people who had lost hope. And they're looking to God and they're crying out to him for salvation. They're saying, God, we need you. We need you to come. We need you to restore us. We need you to do something to save us from the situation that we find ourselves in. And God looks down from heaven 
He sees his people in their brokenness. He sees them in their oppression. He sees them in all of the heartache that they have. And he says to them, I'm going to send you the gift of a baby. And I imagine the hearers might have been thinking, all right, does that baby come with a gift receipt? Because I'm not sure I'm going to keep that. I might exchange it for something else. Because God, uh, is this a metaphor that you're using? Is this like one of those revelation apocalyptic prophecies where you can look about the armored locust and maybe it's an M1 Abrams tank? Because God, that would be really useful right now. I'm going to go blow me up some Assyrians. God, we don't need a baby. In fact, if anything, a baby is going to make my life harder. A baby is going to be a useless gift to me. God, that's not what we need. What they're saying is, God, we have real problems that we're going through. And we need you to give us a real answer for these. We don't need a baby. We need a military victory. God, we don't need a baby. We need economic success. We need my political party to be in office. We need these uh, social programs to be in place. We need a, a conservative or a progressive version of my faith to be what we're following. God, I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend or I need a spouse. I need 2.3 kids. I need a car. I need my 401k program to be good. God, these are the things that I really need and if you give me these things, then my life is going to be awesome and everything's going to be okay. Those are the gifts that we're looking for from God. Those are what we think the answers are to the problems that we face and the problems that we face are very real just as they've been all throughout humanity and all throughout time. But God says that the gift that he's going to give to a world that is broken, that is hurting, that is suffering under sin and death and oppression and injustice is the gift of a baby born of a virgin, a baby without power in our systems, a baby without fame, a baby without wealth. And because of the way that the gift of God came, most people missed it. The gift came into the cover of darkness. The gift that was everything that we needed and more than what we ever could have hoped for came to us and we missed it. And we didn't see the value of the gift of God to us. And this is what the gift of God is. See, he gives the gift of Jesus, this baby that was born to us, the son that was given to us. And Jesus is the gift of many things. And it goes on and it lists the different names for Jesus. And these names reveal to us the gifts that Jesus is to us. And the first one it says is that Jesus is the gift of mighty God. He wasn't just a baby. He wasn't an ordinary human. Although he was fully human, he took on human flesh. He was God. He was the one who spoke the universe into existence. He's the one who's existed from before time began. He's the one who parted the seas that Moses could walk across. He's the God who brings healing. He's the God who brings salvation. He's the God who nothing is impossible for. All power rests in Jesus. And that's the God that came to us. That's the gift that we have, that we see in Christmas, is that mighty God has come to us. We didn't just receive a baby like we see. We received the baby that is mighty God himself. And if God is with us, what more do we need? 
I love this. The clue is given in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God didn't give us the gift of the political systems that we want. He didn't give us the gift of the wealth that we want, of the different things, these finite things that can't ever solve the problems that we really have. God said the answer that you need, the answer that I'm giving to you is me. I'm coming to you. I'm not leaving you on your own. I'm not giving you a temporary fix to something. I myself am coming to you. The God who nothing is impossible for is the God who's come to you. It's the gift that we receive in Jesus. And because we have received the gift of mighty God with us, not distant, not separate from us, not the God who's in heaven hiding from us, the God who has come to us, pursuing us with all of his power, with all of his authority, he is now also the God who is the wonderful counselor. Now when you hear wonderful counselor, you might think of someone that charges you an insane amount of money to tell you that you have daddy issues. But that's not what this means. The word wonderful in the Hebrew, it means it's miraculous power exerted. He's the miraculous counselor. He's the one who miraculously is able to speak advice to you. He's the one who's miraculously able to come alongside of you and to bring you comfort. He's the God who's miraculously able to console you and anything it is that you're going through. No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter what problem it is that you find yourself in, you're never alone in it. Mighty God has come to you, and he's come to be your miraculously powerful counselor. And one of the greatest things about a counselor is when you have someone that can't just give you good advice for the situation that you're going through, but when you have someone who's been through what you're going through and has come out on the other side of it, those are the people that are able to speak into your life. Those are the people that are able to bring you hope and to bring you encouragement. When you're going through great marital problems, you don't want someone counseling you whose marriage has just always been awesome. They've never had a fight in their entire life. They've never even had morning breath. That person can offer you no hope. It's like you're not even a real person. You want someone whose marriage was the worst marriage in the entire world and God came and did something miraculous inside of it. That's who you want. When I was going through my health issues, the people that encouraged me and weren't the people that were at the gym seven days a week and you know, eating zero-carb diets and everything else. They looked like bronze gods. They weren't any encouragement to me because they never had a health issue in their entire life. The people that encouraged me were the people that had the scars running the length of their body and said, I've been through what you're about to go through. And I know what God can do in you. And that's what Jesus has done. See, he's not just the wonderful counselor who's up in heaven sitting on his throne and saying, okay, here's the problem. You shouldn't have done this. You should do this. It's like, well, yeah, but you're God. That's easy for you to say. Well, it's not so easy for him to say. Because he came and he went through everything that we go through. It says this, that God looked down on our hurt and on our suffering. He looked at us in our questions. He looked at us in our pain and our heartbreak. And God said, I'm going to send Jesus. And Jesus, it says of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It says that Jesus, though he's fully God, equal to God the Father, equal to God the Holy Spirit, it says that he didn't hold on to that. He didn't grasp onto his divine rights and privileges, but he emptied himself of those things so that he could come, be born as all of us are born, born into a family that was persecuted, that was despised, that was rejected. He went through everything that we go through. People think, you know, Jesus, he was the little baby, you know, didn't need a diaper change, levitating around. He didn't do that. Jesus wasn't born knowing he was Jesus. He wasn't sitting there reading the thoughts of Mary and Joseph. He went through everything that we went through. It says that he grew in favor and in stature with God and with man. He went through life like we went through it. He didn't hold back and say, I'm, he went through our sickness. Every time I have a stomach bug, and this might sound weird, but I think Jesus had a stomach bug. Like Jesus knows what it's like to be sitting there. And there's, I remember the first time I said, like, God, I'm going to go into ministry was I had the stomach flu and I'm like hugging the toilet. I'm like, Jesus, I'll be a missionary if you like heal me of this. I'll do whatever. Like I'll tithe 12%, Jesus, 12 and a half. What's it going to take? Jesus went through that. Jesus went through heartbreak. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a parent. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a friend when Lazarus dies. Even though Jesus is God, even though he knows that he's going to raise him to life, even though he knows the future hope of glory that we have, he still breaks down and he weeps over the loss of his friend. Jesus, even though as he's going to the cross, he knows that he's going to be raised from the dead, that he's going to conquer sin and the power of death and that humanity is going to be saved. But still he goes and he prays and says, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And he's so intense in this that he's, he's sweating blood because he's so racked by what it is that he's about to go through. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have everybody around him abandon him. And he knows what it's like to go through incredible physical suffering. He even knows what it's like to lose a child. The greatest hurt that we go through as humans is when we lose our children. God knows what it's like to lose a son. He knows what it's like to watch his son murdered, by creation, by the people that he loves so much. In fact, God knows a hurt that we don't know on this earth. Jesus, as he's on the cross, he takes on the sin of all of humanity, something that he never should have borne, something that he never deserved to bear, and he bore God's wrath on the cross. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We don't know what it's like to have God forsake us. But Jesus does. And because he does, we never have to. Whatever hurt, whatever pain it is that you're going through, whatever doubt, whatever questions you may have, Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He didn't remove himself from the pain. He didn't remove himself from the oppression that we go through. He came and he identified with us in that so that he could be our wonderful counselor, so that he could be the one who walks through it with us and the one who gives us hope, and the one who gives us life. And the next name it says is that he's Everlasting Father. And this name gives 
away the heart and the motive of God behind all of this. See, God's heart was that he wanted to build a family for himself. It's why he came. is because he looked at us and our biggest problem was that we were separated from our family. We were orphaned. And so he came to adopt us into his own family. He came to be our forever family. The father who will never disappoint us. The father who will give us identity. The father who will give us unconditional love and acceptance. That's what we find. For some of us, as you're going out from here today, you're going to be going into family situations. And some family situations are awkward and they're weird and they're not always the best. You know what? Jesus knows what that's like. He identified fully with us in family. He knows what it's like to have parents who don't believe in him. He knows what it's like to have siblings that have rivalries with him, siblings that don't believe in him. He knows what it's like to have his siblings think that you have a God complex. I thought that was going to be funnier than it was. (laughs) But Jesus came to bring us into his own family, to make us joint heirs with him. And he made us all brothers and sisters, every one of us, And we have a forever father who will always be our provision, who will always be our hope, who will provide us with everything it is that we need. And the way that he was able to do this is because he is the prince of peace. A prince means that it's the son of a royal family, which Jesus is. He's the son of God. And he came to us to bring us peace. He came to bring us a harmonious relationship with God because that wasn't the way that we were born that wasn't the natural state of us we were all born separated from God because of our sin we were all born wanting and longing for relationship with God to know the one who created us to know that he really loves us to hear him speak to us to know that there's purpose in our life to know that there's an identity that we have in him but that was something that we couldn't have instead there was hostility between us and God we were mad at him we were separated from him and no matter what we did we couldn't approach him because of our own sin and our own brokenness. But Jesus came as the royal son and he went to the cross. See, Jesus didn't come for the manger. Jesus came for the cross. And on the cross, he took all of our sin upon us, all of our brokenness, everything we've ever done to someone, everything that's ever been done to us, every way that we've rejected and rebelled against God was all brought upon us. I mean, that was supposed to be upon us, was put upon him. And he went to the cross and the full wrath of God was poured out on him so that every sin was paid for. Every sin of the past, every present, every future sin. When we come to Jesus and we receive his forgiveness, it's all covered. And now when God looks at you, he doesn't see someone that's sinful, someone that's deserving of his wrath. He sees someone that's deserving of his full blessing. He brought us peace in our relationship with our Father. And now we can know God. We can have relationship with him. We can experience his blessing and his love in our life. And I'm going to close with this. The gift of Jesus is the gift of of the king and his kingdom. When Jesus came, when he died on the cross, and paid the price for our sins, when he was buried and then rose from the grave, something happened. There was a dividing point in human history 
because that was the point where the invasion began. That was the beginning of the revolution in which the systems of oppression, the systems of injustice, the death, the pain, all of these things that we suffer and that we go through as a part of being human, that was the beginning of the end for all of them because the kingdom of God has broken through into this world. And he's the one, it says that his gov- the government of the world is going to be put on his shoulders and of its increase there will be no end. It's going to continue to increase from the day Jesus rose from the dead until now it continues to increase and tomorrow it will increase even more until the day that he returns and the fullness of the justice, the fullness of the peace and the righteousness that he brings is completely brought to us. And sin and death are put away forevermore. Every tear is wiped away. Every unjust system is disposed of. And Jesus reigns and rules over all things. But we can enter into that kingdom now because our king has come. And he will rule over you with justice, with righteousness, and with peace. He offers you a new life a life filled with hope, a life filled with purpose, a life filled with his power poured out into you, giving you the hope for the future that he's called you to. And you will continue to struggle, you will continue to have questions, there will continue to be doubts and heartaches that you will go through in life. But in every one of those, you can appeal to your King Jesus and for his reign and his rule to be exerted in your life in your situation and you will never go through it alone you will never be without your father and all it takes is coming to Jesus and bending the knee saying Jesus I want your forgiveness in my life I haven't lived up I've sinned I've made mistakes Jesus I'm nothing like you I need your grace and your mercy. Jesus, forgive me. And I believe that you are the mighty God who came and died for my sins and that you rose again victorious over all things. And from this day forward, you're the king over my life and I'm going to follow you to the best of my ability every single day. And when you make mistakes, he's not going to condemn you. He's not going to judge you. He's going to call you to get back up and to keep going because you're a son, you're a daughter. And his love, his heart, his affection is for you. He's proven how much he loves you. That even when you were far from him and wanted nothing to do with him, he still came and died for you. How much more now can you be assured of his love for you after you've made that decision to follow him? This morning, the call of Jesus is to receive the gift that he brings to receive the gift of mighty God, receive the gift of the wonderful counselor, receive the gift of the prince of peace, receive the gift of the everlasting father, receive the gift of the king and his kingdom. This morning, let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. this morning if you want more of Jesus if you want more of the gifts that he's come to bring you maybe it's for the first time you've never received you've never 
come to King Jesus to receive from him. Or maybe you've walked away, your passion for him has grown lukewarm, you haven't been finding the best of your ability, maybe you just want more of him. And this morning, I'm going to ask you, every eyes closed and every head's bowed, just raise your hand and say, Jesus, that's me. I want the gift that you have to bring. I want the life that you have to bring. I want your kingdom in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, we're going to pray this together. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for all the gifts that you bring. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your power. From this day forward, I'm following you. Let me know you as the Prince of Peace. Let me know you as my everlasting Father. Let me know you as mighty God. Jesus, begin a new work in me. Jesus, continue that work inside of me. Make me like you. And strengthen me. And open my eyes to see you. In every struggle, in every question, in every doubt. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have my prayer team come forward. They're just going to be right in this front section here. I'm going to be there with them afterwards. And if we can pray for you about anything, we want to pray with you. If you made that decision to follow Jesus today, or maybe you've made a decision you want to follow him more closely, maybe there's sickness inside of your body, we would love to pray for you to see Jesus come and bring healing into you. Whatever it is, Come and let us pray for you. And if not, then Merry Christmas to you. We have some Zingerman cinnamon rolls out there waiting for you, which are fantastic. I already ate one in case we ran out, so forgive me. <laughs> and on your way out, in the spirit of gift giving, we have a, uh, a radiant mug for you that Ann and I got for you. Uh, we wish it was more valuable than that, but the family grows and... It adds up after a while, but we want you to have this radiant mug. Go drink some coffee, eat some snacks, make some friends, go see your family today, and most importantly, enjoy the family that you've been made a part of through Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. God bless. We'll see you next week.